0: Hello,
1: this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. Coming up on today's episode, of course, it's Wednesday, so it must be PMQ's Unpacked. Tim Shipman joins me to pause the action live from the House of Commons as we analyse the exchanges in real time. And don't forget, you can watch along live. Now, you can obviously listen on the radio, live on Times Radio, or watch along on the Times Radio YouTube channel. So if you want to see us, as well as hear us, you can do that, or... If you want to watch afterwards, you can obviously catch up on YouTube later. Uh, that's coming up on the podcast uh, in a moment. But first, as ever, we kick off with our columnist panel. And on a Wednesday, it is the duo that everyone is calling Alibert. It's Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton. Uh, let's talk about something which isn't parties. Hurrah. But it is awful. Uh, it mm. is the state of the Metropolitan Police. Mm. Um We got another report yesterday of uh police officers sending sort of uh sexist racist homophobic messages to each other uh once again we're being told the Met needs to overhaul its toxic culture what's the problem with the met Robert
2: uh oh God, I wish I could answer that in a, in a in a, in a nutshell uh I think the problem. You get these toxic cultures uh, in some uh, jobs from time to time. The way to get rid of them is to have proper disciplinary procedures. I think if anything distinguishes the police, uh, marks them out, is the fact that their disciplinary procedures don't stick. So uh, people often aren't disciplined or they're disciplined in a very mild way or there's a sense that uh, misbehaviour is covered up and uh, that is no sort of incentive to good behaviour, is it?
1: And I think that's the, th- the the thing, isn't it, Alice? I remember reading in... Um, it was a separate thing. I was supposed to do the army, which has also had massive problems in the Sunday Times, and there was this issue that the women who were subjected to appalling comments and, you know, things which are called banter, uh, if they wanted to complain about it, they had to go to their direct superior, and quite often they were at least... If not Guilty. directly involved, they were they were you know yeah. party to it. And I, mm. I suspect this is the same as true in the police, The because well, that's of the, problem, the isn't hierarchy. Yeah, I mean, who do you go to?
3: That, I mean, what I think is extraordinary is that none of them could say anything because it's not like that's even insinuated or suggested. It's actually there in print. So these women were getting the most extraordinary texts, and mm. and you know actually just mind boggling. And <laughs> you know the sexism, the homophobia, the racism. I mean. You know, for anyone was actually, if the police were investigating any of these, they should be utterly appalled. The fact that it comes from the police in itself is just phenomenal. And I think it's amazing that it's now as well. You thought that they have been given so many chances to clean up. That's what I find phenomenal, you, that you'd mm-hmm. think that they would have done by now. And also, you'd think the culture would have changed enough. There are enough women there for them to be able to have complained. To
2: well, them. you would think that in the, in the recruitment process and in the training process at uh, Hendon, uh, there would be... Uh, be, I mean, you would assume that there would be sort of modules on this, and and that and that they would be actually bending over backwards to avoid this. I mean, most companies do, and you'd think the police would be. Well, we in do the here. Yeah. I seem to
1: be bombarded on an almost daily yeah. basis, telling me to do one course or another Quite. about you know training and you know acquiring a whole yeah. range of things, from yeah. mental health to harassment to you know paying yes. contractors and all sorts. And I
2: guess that's I suspect that's probably true in the police as well, but they're, clearly they're not being it's not being enforced or it's not being taken seriously. Uh, and I mean, the problem with this is that it was it, focus, it's, it focused on one police station, but the, the report did make clear that it was a it was a widespread problem. So you can't just say, "Oh, it's one rotten apple." Uh, it's, it's a it's a wider kind of culture of toxic masculinity. And we had the Sarah Everard thing less than a year ago, and we had those two guys who've been prosecuted for sharing pictures of, of murdered women and every time is, is, it's always a bad apple
1: oh he was a yeah. known wrong and but mm. everyone else is anyway you don't want yeah. to
2: line other other officers because
1: no, it's a massive don't, organization yeah. yes
3: and also you don't actually want to hear some of the allegations <laughs> but on the other hand you need to because you're thinking when you're told oh there's sexism or racism well you're wondering what quite it is when you actually read <laughs> yes some you, of these, you actually don't want to read them out on air and radio because they are so bad and they're yeah they're beyond toxic yeah, they're, they are yes they're you're you're quite right yeah I would leave an institution I, think yeah. I had a single one of those and also I know that if I went to either of you and said this is what I've just been sent you would also say something that's what's yeah. extraordinary yeah no, but- you can't
2: understand the, what sort of moral universe somebody inhabits who even where that stuff comes out of their mouth yeah. or goes into their keyboard I mean I just that is beyond my kind of comprehension because I just mm-hmm. Don't know people like that.
1: <laughs> I think that's the thing, isn't it? And I suppose the other problem, um, Alice, is if you got someone like that from someone at the Times, you can <laughs> go to the Telegraph. But you, if you're a poli- if you want to be a police officer, you can't. There's not a, a rival police force in London that you could. So go. that's well, the problem. Is that
3: th- you've spent so much time probably, I and mean, if you are either gay or you are an ethnic minority or you're a woman, and you have gone through all that training, probably put Mm. up with quite a bit, it's very difficult. And if you wanted to be a police officer, maybe since you were quite young, you don't want to give it all up but, just because, you know, the, the, you know you're felt that it's perceived that you're not taking the joke, that you're in the wrong, that you've got no sense of humour. And that's what it always is in the end. It's like, oh, it's not their fault, it's your fault because you're taking it all too seriously. And I can see that, how that happens. And gradually you get worn down and you, you stop even realising how appalling it is, probably.
2: I think there actually is, I mean, there is an alternative, which is to go and work for another police force. And I think that it actually is a problem. There is, yeah. a, there is a drain of uh, personnel from the Met to... Uh, other other sources around what, the country. What,
1: what happens then is that just uh, um, concentrates the problem.
2: Yes, it does. Rather
1: than di- the opposite of diluting yeah. it. If, if the if the good ones leave, yeah, all it leaves is the ba- yeah. the bad ones with the with the bad record. Yeah,
2: I think I think it's got to be stressed. I mean, Alice has said it already, but it's got to be stressed. This is not, you know, the, 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 this, there is no way that this shade that there's any kind of shades of banter about this, no. or, or and, and and the word as I say, the word toxic is inadequate. It's, I mean, it's it's just sort of stomach-churning, some of the... And and it's the whole panoply. I mean, I think there's anti-Semitism and jokes about disabled people in there as well. It's hard to imagine uh, any slur that has not been... Uh, and they I'll, have to do I'll, something recover. very
3: fast. Yeah, if they don't do something fast, if I, you then feel that if you're in London and you're walking past a police officer, I now feel more nervous and more yeah. anxious. Not that they're going to actually protect me now, but actually, what are they thinking? What, how do they view this? What do they think about domestic violence? You know, mm. what do they think about racial abuse? You, you need to be able to trust them. They've got to get that trust back really fast. I think yeah. the Met Police.
1: The interesting point that Debbie's just texted in saying, not an excuse, but the police is an occupation where you need your colleagues to have your back. Uh, on the street, say so, bucking the culture is very difficult and could mm. put you in physical danger. And then Roger says, A police officer friend uh, told me the standard of recruitment in Hendon, he says, is appallingly low. One recruit asked not to see dead bodies, another asked not to do nights. What mm. hope is there? And then I suppose then that becomes a self fulfilling thing. If got... Hendon's
2: where the police training college is, I think, yeah, oh, so, yeah. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: but that's you know, if you've got a sort of self perpetuating thing, if if. Decent people look at this and think, "Well, I'm not going to join yeah. this thing." It just yeah. becomes a, you know, you, you end up with people with terrible, you know, behaviours who do join, and then it becomes a self quite and maybe mm. and and does uh, Does Cressida Dick need to take proper responsibility? I mean, there's only so many times that she can say, "I don't think I'm doing everything I can."
2: Cressida Dick's tenure should be extended. Put it that way. Yeah, she's got. I think there's a there's a, an option for two more years, isn't there? And I think probably uh, she should retire. What do you think, Alice?
3: I think she has to, because I think actually what you need to do now is say, this is so serious, we are going to change from top to bottom. It goes all the way through us, like you know, a stick of rock. It's just phenomenal that you, you think, unless you do that, they're never going to get the next stage of recruitment. You're not going to look at it now. You would never recommend your child now to go into the Met, and you would never, you know, as a teenager or in your 20s, think, that's what I want to do, if you think you're going to be up against that. Um, unless, as you say, it's like the worst people would think about doing it. So I think they absolutely have to crack down on this now.
1: Well, we'll see if it changes. I fear we might end up discussing this again uh, mm. when it when it comes out of another police station. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, let's turn our attention to. Uh, we've been talking about who should run Boris Johnson's uh, new office of the Prime Minister. Well, I'll ask you for your suggestions in a moment. But there's, in fact, lots of people have already said uh, bringing Carrie properly. Uh, and you've written about Carrie Johnson in your column today, Alice.
3: Well, I've written just because I think it is sexist to blame it all on her. And I think it is a lightning conductor for Boris Johnson. He is the prime minister. He is in charge. We should be blaming Him for the problems. It's not, you know, to say that a man in his mid 50s has been led astray by this young woman, it's almost like going back to Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII, that in the end it is his problem, not her problem. He is the prime minister, he's in charge, he should be choosing who he wants to have around him. You know, he decides if he wants, if she turns up with a birthday cake, he can say thank you very much, but you know, we don't want to sing and we're not having a party here because that's the rules. Um, the idea that you know poor him he's too weak to be able to do anything because you know his wife's trampling all over him is just insane to me I think you know get a grip it's you you're there we (laughs) voted for the prime minister we didn't vote for Carrie Johnson so don't don't use her to get to him get at him if you think he's not behaving
2: you can go back 100 years before Anne Boleyn actually to uh, Margaret of Anjou and uh (laughs) Oh, get you! I'm married to Henry the <laughs> Henry the Sixth in the 15th century. Who was uh, Henry the Sixth was useless. He, I mean, the looks like he was he was uh, unwell, mentally unwell. Uh, but of course, poor Margaret, who I just tried who tried to run the country, essentially got all the got all the flack and history was not kind to her. I mean, it may be that Carrie is quite involved. Uh, I suspect it, that is the case but uh perhaps that is that it goes back as Alice says that goes back to boris i mean she's she's only involved because i mean maybe she's thinking she's trying to get a grip on the thing uh and she has after all she's not i mean she's being where it becomes sexist is where it is to portray her as some sort of young airhead, and the fact is she was director of communications at central office yeah she was a special advisor she got her own political network uh before she uh was involved with uh, number ten. So of course she's going to have opinions, and uh, in a in a dysfunctional setup as clearly exists, <laughs> then those opinions are going to have some weight.
1: But I I think it goes. I I, I I'm going to very slightly disagree with you, Alice, because uh, which, you know I also don't like to. Do. But <laughs> I, I I think she is more of a player in this than you know the previous sort of. We've had this occasionally, but sort of you know did Sam Cam change David Cameron's mind on things? But that that felt like. Uh, couples having a conversation over the breakfast table and then he went to work. She's clearly part of the work operation. Um,
3: Oh, she is. But, I mean, on the other hand, that is Boris Johnson's problem. What He should not be asking his wife. You know, actually, also, I think he does use it. So, say, take the animal and the airlift gun, whether or not we should have let these strays come from Afghanistan. He, I think, didn't want to antagonise either side. So it was quite easy to hide behind Carrie and actually not come up with a view. All he needs to do is stand up and say, we are going to put people before dogs. And, you know, the whole operation would have swung behind that. He just has to make very clear what he wants. And his problem is he never does. He always fudges it because he wants to be liked by everybody. And but a, that is just not good enough. I mean, we have to get it um, him in the
1: end. There's a story that Dominic Cummings, I mean, you know, not always the most reliable of witnesses, but there's also of wings true from other people I've spoken to as well. He, I think he put a story on his blog yesterday about how... Um, uh, Dominic Cummings was getting it in the neck for supposedly blocking Carrie doing an interview, and uh, he was like, what's all this about? And it basically turned out that Boris didn't want Carrie to do an interview, but mm. he told Carrie that Dom didn't want her to do the interview. Yeah. And Ooh. then,
2: but this sort of fuels the sort of yeah, I mean, they've... Distrust and... Yeah, and Prime Ministers have always done that. It yeah. was always all, you know, Blair's all right, but it's Mandelson and Campbell. Yeah, the exactly, and then right it all sort of that. goes yeah. round
1: in, yeah. in a circle. I mean, I don't think she's completely blameless in all of this. Like you said, she was she was a special advisor before, she was Director of Communications, uh, she was a player in the Conservative Party when she got together with a Conservative MP and their entry into Downing Street was a sort of joint enterprise in a way that it, it just wasn't the case with previous previous Prime Ministers.
3: No, but that is, I mean, Boris Johnson wanted that. And the the other side of it is that everyone always says, oh, if only Marina had stayed, his second wife, Mm. who, you know, is very efficient, very organized, pays for the parking fees you know she did everything she ran his life as well as being a full-time barrister and an extremely impressive woman and and it's that sense that uh, oh boys will be fine if the women around him are right well that's that's just not good enough none of us operate like that i don't operate like that at work i don't have you know they did they didn't employ me at the times for my husband they employed me for me and then and it's the same you know i wasn't even voted in and it's the same with all of us you know you're not employed on the radio because of your wife matt you're employed because of your skills well yeah in not, fact, you
1: know, we uh robert and i were just discussing this there is a difference between me going home speaking to my wife and saying, oh, I've had a bad day today, you know, something didn't work out. And, and her coming in and saying, right, get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't like that. I'm going to change the curtains. You know, there is, there is, a, there is a difference between talking about work with your spouse and your spouse yeah, and the, and being I mean, a player. Yeah, in your and there work. is a line
2: there. I mean, we had this with Bill and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Do you remember the two for the price of one and all that. Yeah, uh, which they, Obviously a massively influential, capable spouse. Uh, but yeah, they're going to have an influence. But they shouldn't be saying yeah. who's uh, running such and such an office. Yeah,
1: and ultimately, like you said, uh, it all comes back to if Boris Johnson is up to the job of either telling his wife to butt yeah. out or Dominic Cummings to butt, you know,
2: or that, app- yeah, or appointing people who are any good. Uh, yeah,
1: go on then. Who would you put in charge if you can't find? Who would you have as his top cat? I
2: thought Officer Dibble always did quite <laughs> a good job. Didn't quite, he, yeah. <laughs> what,
1: yeah. what about you, Alice? Given that nobody, well, nobody actually seems to want to do it for some reason, of double try. Well, tribe, that's why
3: I he? think. Linton Crosby is going to be the only one because he will stop Carrie from doing anything, and and he will, you know, he does cut that. He's very, very tough on Boris Johnson. I've seen him before. I mean, he's literally, you know, making him tie his tie properly, and you know, get but he, won't do, in order he, he won't do it. He says he won't do it. He says. But once he's in there, I think he, he, you know, he's just going to have to take a grip for the sake of the country. I but, mean, I know he's an Australian, but I think we're just going to have to say to this look, is, this, this is the future of an entire country. This his problem is going to be his.
2: <laughs> this is like the nursery, though, isn't it? Where we need somebody. It's like yeah. it's come to something where the prime minister says it's everything's all right. I'm being investigated by the police. I'm being investigated
1: by the police. <laughs> I've just got to find someone else to do. And my I need job somebody. And it. I need
2: somebody to kind of be my nanny and yeah. matron. Uh, and oh, uh,
1: yeah. Uh. Well, <laughs> well,
2: there we are.
1: Alice Thompson and Robert Cranford. Of course, you can read them in the Times every week. Just get yourself a digital subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, it's PMQs unpacked.
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.
1: You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQs unpacked on Times Radio.
6: Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. Well,
1: here we are again then, live on Times Radio, live on the Times Radio YouTube channel. You can watch along as well. Uh, Let us know where you're listening. Bonjour from France. Hello from Horsham. Martin in Derbyshire. Hugh in Portugal. So go online to the uh, YouTube channel and let us know where you're watching. Tim Shipman here in the studio. Hello, Matt. What should Keir Starmer do today? I mean, the last two or three weeks has been what we would call blockbuster. Uh, all to do with parties and resignations and defections and so on. D- d- should he should he leave that to one side and have a go at something else or does he keep hammering away?
5: I rather suspect he might, um, though he might be tempted to try and sort of draw out the Prime Minister on some of the stuff that went on in the statement earlier in the week. What Boris Johnson has sort of not quite got right when he turns up and makes these apologies is, is his tone. And it, it's an interesting conundrum for Johnson today because a lot of his own side didn't like the sort of grandstanding shouty tone when he was supposed to be being apologetic earlier in the week, but now it's PMQs and they expect a sort of grandstanding shouty tone. So I would have thought Starmer would want to get on to something meaty um, and not give Boris Johnson a chance to do all of that shouting and screaming today. Um, And he might be advised to leave alone the sort of the thing that we've all been obsessing about for a little while.
1: It was interesting, just speaking to Charles Walker, long-standing Conservative MP, uh, talked to me on the show, and he just sounds weary and sad about the state of the party. And that's actually the mood. You know, there are some people who really love Boris Johnson, some people who really hate him, and there's a whole load in the middle who are just a bit depressed about it all.
5: Yeah, no, I think that's right. And, but actually, Starmer, if he wants to go on that subject, he can do, and he's got lots of ammunition he can use. The slightly curious thing about Starmer's performance earlier in the week is he didn't actually read out that much from the Sue Gray report. There are things that appear to contradict things Boris Johnson has said in the Chamber of the House of Commons that he could have pinned him down on a bit more. Instead, he decided to go with his own fairly grandstanding uh, uh, sort of uh, YouTube clip um, you know, denouncing the PM's character, he didn't really pin him down on the details. So there's plenty he could go at, and he could start quoting a lot of these Tory MPs um, who don't want their prime minister around either. So there's, you know, um, the option is there, but it wouldn't surprise me if he if he took a different path, because he's he's tended to to want to, you know moments of high tension to show that there are serious issues at play, and the levelling up um, agenda may be one that he wants to take an axe to as well, and just you know. Drill into that and say why well, it's not enough. Um, if that's the government's big announcement of the day, if that's likely to be what's on the news this evening, it might pay Starmer to get his own clips um, for the for the ten o'clock six and ten o'clock news. Um,
1: and that's sort of interesting, the tension that on the one hand he needs, you know, it's one thing if Boris Johnson's in the doldrums in the polls, but you know, Keir Starmer needs a positive reason why people are turning to him. Um, before we go to uh, PMQs, um, uh, Lindsay Hoyle, the common Speaker, is just making a statement outlining this business of why you can't accuse each other of lying, which we've had so many messages about this week. Let's take a listen to what uh, Lindsay Hall's be, uh, just been saying. Before
6: we come to Prime Minister's questions, I wish to make a statement about the House practices regarding accusing members of lying or deliberately misleading the House. I recognise there are frustrations around the House's practices. Firstly, let me say that there are means by which accusations of lying may be brought before the House, including by means of a substantive motion. The Scottish National Party did so on their opposition day in November. However, members may not accuse each other of lying or deliberately misleading the House unless such a substantive motion is under consideration. Erskine May is clear. That it is to preserve the character of parliamentary debate, which I take to mean to stop it descending into fruitless cycles of accusation and (laughs) counter-accusation. May I also say that expressions when used in respect of the members, which are regarded with particular seriousness, generally leading to prompt intervention from the Chair and often a requirement on a member to withdraw the words, include charges uttering deliberate falsehoods, it is important to stress context. Similar words said in different proceedings might attract a different response from the Chair, depending on the subject being debated, tone and other considerations, but in general the Chair will not tolerate accusations of lying or deliberately misleading the House. That is the long-standing practice of the House as set out in this May, and followed by successive speakers and deputy speakers. Of course, long-standing practices may change. For example, if the House decided it wanted a different approach, perhaps informed by the Procedure Committee inquiry, but it's not for me to change the practice unilaterally. Therefore, I ask members to respect this repro- approach I know feelings run high on important issues we discuss, but there are plenty of ways of making strong feelings felt within the rules and without placing the chair in the invidious position of having to order members to withdraw on seeking their suspension. Before we come to Prime Minister's questions, I'd like to point out that the British Sign Language interpretation of proceedings is available to watch on Parliament live TV. So
1: that's uh, the Common Speaker, Lindsay Hall there, laying down the law, Tim Shipman.
6: Well, saying what the law currently is, but
5: saying if you want to change it, you can, which yeah. is a different approach than his predecessor, John Burko took, which was that you know, parliamentary rules can evolve, and they have over the years, and I'm going to evolve them a little bit further. So he's sort of saying, if you feel strongly enough about this, do something about it, but don't expect me to change it for you. It's interesting, because when I interviewed Lindsay Hoyle in Chorley last year, when we went to Chorley...
1: Um, and I asked him about this, and he basically said, I can't do anything, I'm bound by the rules, and I'm enforcing the rules, and if they want to change... You know, he said he'd like to have the power to intervene and say, look, that's not true, but then he can't be a live fact-checker on every... Pos- you know, and there's a difference between what is a lie and what is a
5: different interpretation
1: of a... Well, and thing. sometimes you know, it's
5: in the wording as well. Yeah. We've had these conversations ourselves in PMQs and yeah. where, you know, someone's accused of saying something, and it's... Uh, it, you have to be very precise about the words to check that that, that it is a porky pie, um, and it's not always clear in live debate. In fact, I think the speaker has made the odd mistake on that front. Yeah, um, it's
1: intervened, and it hasn't yeah. quite. But it sounds yeah. like um, uh, something which uh, which it isn't quite uh, right. Then uh, you can uh, listen listening along on Times Red, You can watch along on the YouTube channel. Uh, nice to nice to have you along. Loads and loads of you are already watching. Lindsay Hoyle's a national treasure, says Mark. Uh, someone else says bring back Burko. That's Chris. Uh, hello from Sunny. Cross. I thought Crosby. that was going to be
5: someone called John, but
1: <laughs> always nice to have you have you watching along, John. Uh, somebody in Stockholm, the United States, the People's Republic of Islington, hello from Washington, DC. You're all watching along. Here we go, then. Question number one from Keir Starmer.
6: Position, the right to rule Keir Starmer. Yeah! Uh,
4: thank you, Mr. Speaker. And following your opening remarks, I just want to say to the members opposite, theirs is the party of Winston Churchill. Our parties stood together as we defeated fascism in Europe. Now their leader stands in the House of Commons parroting the conspiracy theories of violent fascists to try and score cheap political points. He knows, this is he the, knows uh, the exactly claim about what he's doing. In, uh, it's is
1: to against some
4: dignity. Mr Speaker, one of the most absurd claims made on behalf of Operation Save Big Dog is the Prime Minister and the Chancellor writing in the Sunday Times that they are the tax-cutting Conservatives? Why do these alleged tax cutters keep raising taxes
7: on working people? Prime Minister. to speak on his first point, I don't want to make heavy weather of this, but I am informed that in 2013, uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman apologised and took full responsibility... Uh, what had happened on on his watch, and I think, Mr. Speaker, that was the right thing to do. Uh, and, 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 Mr. Speaker, on on. On, uh, on what we're doing to tackle uh, cost of living and taxation, Mr. Speaker, our COVID recovery plan, our recovery plan is absolutely vital in helping people uh, with the cost of living, lifting up universal uh, credit payments, Mr. Speaker, uh, by cutting the tax that people, by uh, cutting the tax that people effectively pay, lifting the living wage, Mr. Speaker, uh, uh, helping councils with another half a billion pounds uh, for those who are facing particular hardship, Mr. Speaker. Speaker. But what we are also doing, and this is absolutely vital, is increasing the number of high-wage, high-skill jobs in this country uh, 420,000 more on the payroll uh, than there were before the pandemic began. Because we've had the fastest exit from Covid of any European economy, Mr Speaker, because we had the fastest vaccine and booster rollout.
1: Okay, let's pause it there. There's quite a lot to pick through that. So um, both of them sort of talking around the issue. But this is the claim that Boris Johnson made uh, earlier this week on Monday that uh, Keir Starmer was busier prosecuting journalists than he was prosecuting Jimmy Savile. And that's because, uh, while Keir Starmer was the head of the Crown Prosecution Services Director of Public Prosecutions, a decision was taken not to prosecute Jimmy Savile while he was still alive. But Keir Starmer was not involved in that decision. And I think what Boris Johnson there is teased out is that it did happen on his watch and Keir Starmer did apologize afterwards. But because this is something that's done the rounds on social media, as you were saying, in sort of far right groups, it's it's become
5: incredibly um I don't know what the word is, toxic, volatile. Um, is yeah, it... I mean, it's a hugely controversial thing to be saying uh, because of the kind of people who are circulating it, and Boris Johnson sort of knows that. And my understanding is that he was told not to do it by his own staff, and he decided to do it anyway because it's the sort of thing that's popular with some of the uh, of his backbenchers. Though, of course, there is a slight double standard here um, from both of them. Um, they're both arguing slightly under false pretenses. Keir Starmer is saying to Boris Johnson, um, some of the stuff that happened on your watch, you know, was not your responsibility, but you're to blame and you mistake responsibility. And he's sitting back and saying, well, you know, Keir Starmer didn't make that decision himself, but he was responsible because he was in charge. So they're both slightly trying to have it both ways. I, suppose I he... think the difference is that Starmer would say that Boris Johnson was at these parties um, <laughs> uh, and, and they did have knew a there were right, parties exactly, yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, um, he watched everybody having a drink. Um, and I suppose ultimately there is a material
1: difference between saying, uh, you're the Prime Minister, running number 10. What goes on in your number 10, in your government, on your watch, is your business. And what is clearly an attempt to suggest that Keir Starmer is in some way a defender of... Of a paedophile. Of a uh, And that is, that's the... Cru- so even if it is technically correct to say that Jimmy Savile was not prosecuted on Keir Starmer's watch, it is such an extraordinary thing to level against him that maybe while... Lindsay Hall's talking about sort of trying to raise the standard of debate. Maybe just don't need to go there. Maybe well, look, the important the thing is we,
5: you and I can have whatever view we want on this, but what is the view of Boris Johnson's own MPs? Yeah. Boris Johnson's own MPs went into that statement wanting to hear from him um, a sincere apology and an attempt to recover some of the ground he's lost. Um, for the first couple of minutes, he did quite well, and then he went on to this, and a lot of them recoiled in horror, to be frank. Um, and it's not just the usual suspects, the, the sort of, you know, what Boris Johnson would brand, the, the the Ramonas and, the, you know, the people who've always been out to get him, um, uh, the disgruntled ex-ministers. Yeah. There are quite a lot of people, mainstream people, people who voted, backed his Brexit and wanted him to be Prime Minister, who think that that was an unseemly thing to do. Um, and, you know, Starmer wanted to get his point across and, you know, Johnson has got his back, Um
1: We'll We'll see. Well, see. well, so, well let's uh, let's see where Keir Starmer goes next because he, he then went on to tax and we had an argument about. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was
5: it. quite a lot of quite a lot of blah blah after quite that. Lot, blah,
1: blah, so we'll move on from that. Interestingly, somebody's put on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Starmer has started to become more of a politician and less a lawyer. I think that's definitely right. He's definitely had some, um, yeah, had his to
4: witticisms. Let's see where he goes with question two. Starmer, <laughs> Mr. Speaker, it's not just the national insurance rise. Thresholds for income tax frozen. A stealth tax on working people. Yeah. The threshold for tuition fees frozen, a stealth tax on working people. Local authorities forced to increase council tax, a stealth tax on working people. You can be as stealthy as you like, but you can't hide reality. We have the highest tax burden for 70 years during the middle of an inflation crisis. So I ask the Prime Minister again, why do he and the Chancellor keep raising taxes
7: on working people? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, what we are doing is helping people with the the cost of living, uh, cutting taxes for those on universal credit, Mr Speaker, uh, as I have said... Helping people with the cost of their fuel, Mr. Speaker, with the cold weather payments, and the warm homes payments, Mr. Speaker, doing all the things that this country would expect, lifting the living wage, which this party, Mr. Speaker, introduced. Uh, this party, this government has increased by the record amount, uh, Mr. Speaker. And what we and above all, uh, what above all, the most important thing that we are doing is helping people into work. 500,000 people of welfare into work are, under our way to work scheme. More people, more people in work now than before the pandemic began, and that is the record of this government. Labour never forget, Mr Speaker, there's never been a Labour government that left office with unemployment lower than when they yeah. check, check that out, Mr Speaker. of uh, <laughs> slightly
1: greatest hits there. I think um, Boris Johnson might have slightly slipped up there. He, he's been very good in recent weeks to say... Uh, that there were more people on payrolls uh because he was picked up by the fact checkers he's kept him we've got more people in employment than there were before the pandemic and the fact checker said that was wrong uh because um if you include the self employed in that six hundred we're actually still lower. But he I think he may have slightly slipped let's not get too bogged down in that. Um this sounds is, like you'd like to be the leader of the opposition. <laughs> There's a there's a there's a good um uh argument emerging here though, isn't there? That the, on the one hand the Conservatives they say with a tax cut cutting conservatives more money in your pocket than Keystop is a pretty good list, putting up national insurance, catching more people in the income tax thresholds, uh, and tuition fees and council tax.
5: Yeah, it's an effective attack from Labour, and they of course have said they would oppose the national insurance rise. Um so they've got, you know, some grounds for doing it. Um uh Starmer also knows it enrages Johnson's uh, Tory backbenchers who want him to be cutting tax rather than putting it up. Um... But of course, it pretty well every time there's a spending commitment from the government. Labour say it isn't enough, which does slightly imply eventually that they would uh, have to put up tax even more themselves. So well, yeah, they're, once they're, again, committed they're talking to reversing the national insurance. Well, they reverse so. that; they'd probably then have to find it from somewhere, somewhere else. else. But yeah, presumably, yeah. it would be those wicked rich people who had to pay it all. Uh, warren has been in touch. Come on, Charlie. We know we know which
1: way you lean politically, but either both Storm and Bojo are ultimately responsible for what happened on their watch, or neither are. I wish you... Could you tell me which way I lean politically, wrong? Because I'd, I'd love to know. Uh, text 8722, start the the word times, or you can post comments on YouTube. Let's go back. Hello to Tokyo. Thank you for joining. Let's go back uh, to question number three.
6: Here's uh, uh,
4: Lots of words, lots of bluster. No answers. Yeah. Uh, uh, word of warning. Word of warning, Prime Minister. That's not going to work with the police. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him why they're putting DC. taxes up. Low growth in the decade of Tory government before the pandemic, growth slumped. It was much, much weaker than under the last Labour government. If, if the Tories matched our record on growth, we would have 30 billion pounds more to spend on public services without having to raise a single tax. Mr Speaker, surely even this Prime Minister doesn't need someone else to tell him that he and the Chancellor are having to raise taxes because the Tories failed to grow the economy over a decade.
0: Prime Minister! Uh, No,
7: Mr Speaker, I think everybody in this country uh, can see that we've been through the biggest pandemic uh, since... We've looked after the people of this country to the tune of £400 billion that we've put into furlough and all the other schemes. 11.7 million people protected. Everybody knows knows the the cost of that, Mr. Speaker. And at the same time, in spite of all the difficulties uh, that we have faced, uh, we have now got the fastest growth in the G7. Absolutely true. We've got youth unemployment. We've got youth unemployment at a record low, Mr. Speaker. We've got three times as much tech investment, investment coming into this country as there is in France, twice as much, twice as much as there is in Germany. Yes, that's absolutely true, Mr. Speaker. And never forget, if you want to know about labour economics, never forget the last time they were in office, Mr. Speaker, when they were finally booted out, they left a note saying there's no money left. Mr. Speaker.
1: This I'm going to jump in now with my, my, my fact checking hat on. Uh, Boris Johnson repeating the claim uh, we've got the fastest growing economy in the G7. According to full fact, that's true if you look over the past 12 months. Uh, but if you look at growth over the last quarter of data, the UK is fifth. So, yes. as ever, with these
5: things. Well, it depends, you, depends where you draw the line. It
1: depends yeah. where, you, uh, where you slice it. I'm not sure that Keir Starmer's getting anywhere. There's, no, he there's may a not have but,
5: specifics. But I think what he's doing, I mean, I've got messages on my phone here from Tory advisors saying that, you know, much better for Labour to go on cost of living. Mm. This is going to be far and away the biggest domestic political issue of the year, putting aside anything else that Boris Johnson may delight us with in his uh, uh, personal activities. Um, this. Um, you know, is the is the terrain on which the local elections are going to be fought, and it makes sense for him to get onto it. But what he's doing quite successfully, I would say today, uh, which is not something he he often manages to pull off, is he's doing. You know, he can get credit for doing the serious subject, but he's also got a few good gags that relate back to, um, you know, the thing that we've all been obsessing about. Um,
1: that line, the, the line about, um, word, you know, word of advice, uh, that's not going to work with the police. Even Boris Johnson laughed at that.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's a it's a properly funny line. Um, and again, you know, there are PMQs jokes. Um, which we sort of titter along to thinking that's frightfully clever or, uh, or <laughs> people behind him cheer because it's so crude that it raises a smile. Um, but that, that's, uh, a that's an actual one that people laugh at because it's funny.
1: Uh, but there was only question three. We'll see if um, uh, be, Boris Johnson has already done his greatest hits. Let's see how many, how many more times we hear that. Uh, let's go to question number four from Keir Starmer.
4: Mr Speaker, the UK...
6: Oh. Some people won't be getting more we won't be here to hear it, so...
4: Mr Speaker, the UK has suffered the worst economic crisis in the G7. The Prime Minister has more chance of persuading the public that he didn't hold any parties than he has of persuading them that the economy is booming. High taxes are not just the result of low growth. Under this government, we've seen a pandemic of waste and fraud. From the Prime Minister's yacht to government contracts for mates of ministers, they've treated taxpayers as an ATM machine for their mates and their lifestyles. Now we find, now we find, Mr Speaker, they've written off £8.7 billion on PPA and the Chancellor's writing off £4.3 billion in fraud. That's enough to cover the tax hike he's inflicting on working people. So why did this government block the National Crime Agency from investigating all
7: the billions they lost to fraud? Prime Minister, Mr Speaker, of course... We despise fraud and those who steal from the taxpayer. And that's why we've already recovered £743 million in lost uh, furlough money, Mr Speaker. £2.2 billion that were stolen in bounce-back loans. And we will go on. But I have to tell you, Mr Speaker, that I am proud of what this government and this country did in securing record quantities of PPE and record time, uh, Mr Speaker, in furloughing and looking after the entirety of British business and society in the way that uh, we did, Mr Speaker. And once again, Captain Hindsight comes to this House and attacks the Government for doing exactly what he urged us to do 18 months ago. Mr Speaker, it so happens that I have a, I found a letter. I've been rustling in my notes, Mr Speaker. Uh, and I found a letter, which I will place for your convenience in the House, in the Library of the House, Mr Speaker, from the from the Shadow <laughs> Chancellor uh, to my Right Honourable the Secretary of State for Luke, suggesting uh, that we could secure PPE supplies. This is on April the 22nd, uh, 2020. Secure PPE supplies uh, from a, a football, uh, sorry, from a theatrical costumier, and that we could get ventilators from a professional football agent, uh, Mr. Speaker. No wonder. No wonder. No wonder under Labour, no wonder under Labour, fraud was running at 21 billion pounds per year, Mr. Speaker. I'm proud of what this government did to secure PP, and I'm proud of the way we protected this country.
1: We like a bit of House of Commons theatre, and brandishing a letter they've dug up. So the Shadow Chancellor, obviously Rachel Weaves. Yes, I think did he, was he saying that that was a letter sent to the Leveling Up Department? Uh, Diluke. Del, 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 I think that was him trying to shorten the, the Leveling Up Department. Um, uh, but that's a sign that the number 10 political operation might still have a little bit of life left in it yet.
5: Yes, exactly. Um, uh, you know, this is an old favourite for Starmer, and, you know, you watch and listen to focus groups and the contracts for mates stuff cuts through. My general impression over the last year is that the public doesn't quite buy the waste argument in the same way. They realise the government had to go and buy loads of stuff and that some of it would be duff and that money would be wasted. Um... Uh, and that doesn't cut through in quite the same way, and Boris Johnson sort of knew it was coming and had something to reply with. So, you know, if you're scoring this, you know, we're on question four, that is now 3-1 rather than 4-0. And
1: I'm surprised he didn't make more with uh, Theo Agnew, the minister who literally resigned at the dispatch box last week, specifically over the fraud. You know, Boris Johnson boasts about claiming about, was it, 743 million and 2.7 billion. Um, it's a, it's a huge amount of money that they've written off yes, in for. Yes,
5: absolutely. Gigantic. And you're right, hammering away billion. at
1: that rather than saying uh, when they were told you need to buy some more PPE, so they threw the kitchen sink at buying loads of PPE and now they've had to write down the value of some of that. That seems like... That's what you would do in the middle of a yeah, crisis. Yeah, I
5: think the public gives the, uh, the the government a pass on that stuff. Um, and again, messages from you know MP, uh, people within the government saying you know that's not the best argument for Starmer. Um, there's a better argument that he could have made, and it's the one you're suggesting. Yeah, no, it's
1: an in-check. Intro- intro- but also I, I just think it's you know the fact that Michael goes out of rummage in the drawer and found that letter from Rachel Wees is uh, is hugely interesting. Right, look, let's go back. Then this is the last question. Question number six from
6: Keir Starmer. Keir <laughs> Starmer. Who wants to be the first to leave? Please put your hand up, because I'm going to pick one of you.
4: Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister might want to sharpen how he answers questions under interview. He's going to need it in the next few weeks. Waste and low growth explain why we have high taxes, but they don't explain why it's always working people that are asked to pay more. Yesterday, he ordered his troops not to support a windfall tax on oil and gas companies. As a result, the country is missing out on over a billion pounds we could have used to cut taxes on energy bills for working people. Today, he's ordering his troops to vote for tax cuts for banks. As a result, the country is missing out on another billion pounds we could have spent cutting taxes for working people. Why are the charts from the Prime Minister protecting oil companies and bank profits while putting taxes up on working people?
5: Prime Minister,
7: Mr. Speaker, let's, let's just get to the heart of what this is all about. This is, all about, this is all about dealing, dealing with the consequences as of the biggest pandemic this country has seen, with an unprecedented economic crisis in which the state had to come forward and look after the people of this country to the tune of £408 billion. But everybody can see the fiscal impacts of that. Shall I tell you uh, what this government and this country uh, is voting for and what we're doing? Uh, We're investing now in 45,000 more NHS workers, more people in our NHS this year than there were last year. 10,000 more nurses, 10,900 more nurses, about 5,000 more doctors, 9 million more scans, 100 community diagnostics hubs to help people to get the scans and treatment they need. And the incredible thing, the incredible, the lamentable thing is that the party opposite, the party of Nye Bevan, Mr Speaker, voted against those funds, voted against that investment, and they would have made our COVID recovery impossible. What?
1: Keir Starmer. Yeah, so I slightly misjudgment. I've miscounted my questions there, so we have, in fact, got another one. So let's all listen to that, then we'll wrap up, Tip. Uh, let's go back to Keir Starmer.
4: Is the best he can do? Rachel Reeves is
1: shouting, is that the best he can do? For, w-
4: Speaker, the truth is, the Conservative Party are the party of high taxes because they're the party of low growth. They are the party of high taxes because they're the party of eye-watering waste. Mr Speaker, we know this Prime Minister has no respect for decency or honesty. I can take it. I can take it when it's aimed at me, but I won't accept it when he gaslights the British public writing absurd articles about cutting taxes at a time when he's squeezing working people to the pips. Isn't it the case, Mr Speaker, that he and his Chancellor are the Tory Thelma and Louise hand in hand as they drive the country off the cliff and into the abyss of low growth and tax?
6: Mr Gullis, I think you've been trailed for long enough and you don't want to be trailed anymore. And that is the last comment I have, or otherwise I will ring you, mother. Keir
4: Isn't it true, Mr Speaker, that he and the Chancellor, the Tory, Thelma and Louise, hand in hand as they drive the country off the cliff and into the abyss
7: of low growth and high tax? Yeah.
0: Prime Minister.
7: Well, Mr Speaker, I think, I think the right hon. Gentleman is Dick dastardly and, and muttly. But both of them pulling in, in different directions uh, we know and we know they have different views uh, Mr Speaker we, we are getting on we are getting on with the job. Uh, Mr Speaker, and just in the, just in the last few days and, and of course uh, I, I think it's absolutely extraordinary that they've done nothing to uh, support our Covid recovery plan they've voted against our plans to support the NHS but what, what we're doing just in the, last, in the last few days while he's been fixated on, uh, on the issues that he's absolutely determined to, uh, to escalate what we've done, uh, we've opened free ports across the country just in the last, in the last few days We're getting 500,000 people off welfare into work with our way to work plan. Uh, In in just a few short minutes, Mr Speaker, I hope he will hang around because he will hear my right hon. Friend, the Secretary of State, for levelling up, deliver the long-awaited levelling up white paper of good stuff, including 55 education investment areas 55 education investment areas across our country. A wonderful moral and economic mission to to level up and give opportunity across the whole country. A fantastic vision for this country, Mr Speaker. They have nothing of the kind to offer the people of this country. Mr Speaker, uh, while we are getting on with coming out of Covid with the second fastest, uh, with the fastest economic recovery in the G7 the fastest, the fastest he would have kept us. He would have kept us in lockdown, Mr. Speaker. We're fixing the NHS. We're fixing the NHS and social care uh, when they voted against it, and they have no plan. And we are, well, Mr. Speaker, we are building a coalition. Order, we order. are building a
0: coalition.
6: Just, just a minute. I think the Speaker Prime might have saved him there. I'm this for the way, self. not that way. Maybe savers might be the answer. to See where I am. And I can. I just say. Dame Caroline Kindige is desperate to get the next question to you. Dame Diana Caroline. Uh,
1: Dame Caroline
5: yeah. Carnage. Daryl- 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 <laughs> Good lord. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, Keir Starmer's jokes are slightly better. I think Lindsey Hoyle. Yeah, the second time
5: work. he tried the joke about the police, it wasn't. It, it wasn't was good, quite and, so good. And, and it landed pretty flat, didn't it? But the, Boris Johnson, there. I mean, the last two answers. I mean, he, if he delivered the you know the greatest hits earlier on, he's moved on to the very best of Boris Johnson, and then the essential Boris Johnson to finish. I think. Know, yeah, he, tricky he, to keep finding. At the album end, though, titles. I think he
1: reached the sort of uh, repeat to fade. Yes, and, but, um, nobody turned his mic down. Now. now Um, There's an interesting argument here, an economic argument. The Labour Party are trying to mount that the Conservative Party, the party of high taxes, people can understand that. I think if you start getting to low growth, I'm not sure people know what that means. No,
5: and this low, the party of high taxes because of low growth is a Rachel Reeves line, which um, uh, which Starmer is now deploying. Economically, it it might be right, but it's not. It's not. It's it's a hard sell. It's not. It's not. uh, Yeah.
1: The um, the other thing is as well, the um, Thelma Louise, not new. Pat McFadden, who's Rachel Reeves' deputy in the Treasury team, used it in the House of Commons uh, yesterday. So they obviously thought that well, landed they so well, they'll have another go at it. And then Mail he's... Online then dutifully um, photoshopped them up.
5: Whereas Dick Dastardly and Muttley is entirely an <laughs> a, a inspirational prime ministerial um, uh, bit of uh, tap dancing.
1: The other thing that I just don't think is going to land with anyone, gaslighting, no normal person knows what that means. I'm going to posit it. No,
5: it's a good one for, for the Twitters. Good for the Twitters. Uh,
1: so, who we score? Who do we think won that in the end?
5: I think. It, I, well, it was a lot closer he's than had. Given the week he's had, if he lost that 4 2, he'd be reasonably content, wouldn't he?
1: And that's all we've got time for on the podcast this week. You can obviously read all about what we've been discussing online at thetimes.co.uk. Just sign up, get yourself a subscription at thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. And if you want to come on and play our quiz, Can You Get to Number 10? Just email studio at times.radio. And throughout February, I'll give you a pair of tickets to my stand-up tour if you come on. That's studio at times.radio. But for now, thank you for listening.